Well, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Truckers Podcast, FYI. I'm your host, Doug, from Ontario, Canada. It is 8.05 a.m. Eastern Standard Time here in southern Ontario. Really chilly morning out there this morning. Uh, Temperatures are hovering around uh, minus 8 to minus 10 with a wind chill factor in there, feeling like minus 17 here on the 18th of February, 2024. Now, oh gosh, last Sunday, um, I was to do a show, um, feeling under, under the weather. So that show didn't, uh, uh, that show didn't go. Um, so last Sunday, Monday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, by Wednesday, I started to feel much better. And now here we are, um, Sunday morning, back to doing the show. And um, I appreciate uh, my listeners and followers for hanging in there with me. And that's so, um, this being um, the family day long weekend here in Southern Ontario, uh, which means uh, people will have tomorrow off, except for federal workers, because it's not a federal holiday, it's not a statutory holiday. And if you are given the day off, fantastic. I will be off tomorrow, which gives me the opportunity to do another show. For Monday morning, which I will do, make up for last Sunday, I couldn't, wasn't able to, to do a show. Now, renting buying property is a struggle for a lot of uh, Canadians and Americans. Now, even as housing markets cool in some areas, housing affordability in Canada is the worst in over four decades due to in part to sustained post-pandemic inflation and comparatively higher interest rates. According to the Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation, the Federal Crown Corporation responsible for administering Canada's National Housing Act, affordability is defined as mortgage or rent payments that do not exceed more than 30% of the household's gross monthly income. Good morning, Chuck. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Doug, here on the Truckers Podcast, FYI. Earlier, as I stated before you came on the show, um, of course, um, last Sunday I was to do um, a show, uh, woke up, feeling under the weather, um, didn't improve until about Wednesday. And here I am back out here on Sunday morning here on the uh, 18th of February. I did mention too that this is also a family day long weekend here in Southern Ontario. Not all parts of Canada are, are uh, going to be having this long weekend off. It goes by province by province. Um, it's not a federal holiday, so it's not a stat holiday. Uh, but a lot of places, a lot of businesses will be um, closed tomorrow. Um, it was uh, a provincial decision um, a few years back to add in another long weekend, you know, kind of break up the Christmas holidays, the March break and stuff like that to uh, give people uh, a 
bit of a break and have a day off. I will be off tomorrow as well. Our company is, is giving us giving us the day off, which is great. That gives me another opportunity to do another show. Generally, I'd be working Monday to Friday. But I will be off and I will be doing another show tomorrow morning. So back to this um, uh, when it comes to uh, rental and, and purchasing homes um, here in Canada and the United States um, with affordability uh, being defined as mortgage or rent payments that do not exceed more than 30% of a household's gross monthly income. Right. So if a family makes 50,000 per year before taxes, anything more than 15,000 per year or 1250 per month sp spent on rent would put them in an, in, in an unaffordable situation. And of course, they know that the unaffordable housing situation has shown to have serious negative outcomes related to communities, health, crime rates, homelessness, the well-being of children, and the economical growth. The lack of affordable housing the lack of supply and demand the increase of the interest rates i think right now uh the bank of canada i think the interest rates are now at uh generally about five percent five point two percent up from before the pandemic was the interest rates are at 2.5%, 2.4%. Housing that was built after 2018, so new builds for, for rentals, those builders whatever owners of those properties, they can charge whatever rent they want. Anything prior to 2018, rent can only be increased by 2.5% on a yearly basis. I see a lot of, um, new builds going up around the city that I reside in. And uh, some of them are condos, so people, you know, are going to be purchasing them if they can afford to purchase them. And some are rentals. And I was the other day just for shits and giggles, like, you know, how, you know, looking for a one bedroom apartment. And they're ranging anywhere from $1,600 a month to um, $2,000 a month for a one bedroom. The other problem that we're, we're, we're facing, um, you've probably heard of it, is called rental evictions where the landlord wants to renovate and he wants you to move out until the renovations are, are done. And what is happening is that the tenant is not moving back in because the landlord is not telling the tenant that it's done and he's re-renting the unit for double the rent. And that's happening all over. See, the tenant who, who's occupying that unit has the first right of, refu of uh, refusal 
If the tenant wants to move back in when the renovations are done, he or she can do so at the rent that they were paying. So if the rent was $800, it would still remain $800. That's not what's happening. So if you're making $50,000 a year, your maximum rent You know, so 30%. So if it's more than $1,250 a month, then you, you are in an unaffordable situation. Now, the younger generations um, are deferring the... Uh, home ownership dream because of their inability to, to secure a mortgage financing, limited entry level home ownership options and insufficient income. Now here in Ontario, the, the, the starting minimum wage is 1665 an hour. That's, the base pay the employer has to pay you. Now, generally, people are making a little more than minimum wage. Maybe they're making $17 an hour, $18 an hour, $19 an hour. But that in itself is not enough. Maybe it was... 10 years ago to afford a place to live. I better put my phone on silence because I get a lot of notifications and messages and you'll hear the phone. The phone will just be blowing up. And I usually remember to put this thing on, on silent. There we go. So now... If you were making $18 an hour times 40 hours a week, that's $720 before tax. You get paid bi-weekly times two weeks, that's $1,440 or tax bracket here. That's probably going to be about uh, 20%. So you're going to take home $1,152 every two weeks. For the month, you're going to take home $2,300. Now, if your rent is, is $1,250, well, that's half. In order to sustain a rental unit based on, because, you know, I mean, they do it, they, 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 they calculate it on your gross income before taxes. So... If you're, if you're bringing, if, if you're bringing in, um, so your, so your gross, so your gross every month would be 2880 times 12 months. It's only $34,560 a year. Your rent can't be more than 
to you know basically uh, and they're and they're doing and they're doing this off of 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 fifty thousand fifty thousand per year before taxes right so anything more than fifteen thousand dollars per year or twelve fifty per month spent on rent would put them in an unfordable situation you're not gonna find a place today for $1,250 per month. When I went on the rental market, it was, it was um, starting some places, depending, starting at $1,400 a month. So if you're making $50,000 a year and you're renting $1,400 a month, you're in an unaffordable situation, according to this to this, this data. And of course, the younger generations like that, they are deferring the um, um, home ownership because the inability to secure, to, uh, to secure a mortgage. Now, municipalities, the provincial government, federal government um, emphasizing on the state of the rental affordability how are we going to fix this See, the demand for rental housing has surged because people can't afford to buy a house. So therefore, we have a lack of rental units. People aren't going anywhere. And, and the demand for, for, for buying a property It's a seller's market, not a buyer's market. I was reading an article um, the other day, and uh, this person, you know, had a had a really good paying job, bought a home, paid over two hundred thousand asking. Eight months, eight months later, person loses their job, and now they're in foreclosure. They don't have a home. Last couple of years, people selling their homes, people were getting two hundred thousand over asking, one hundred fifty thousand dollars over asking. Prices for homes have come down. I mean, the average price for a home um, generally, you know, right now in the city that I reside in, it's still one of the, you know, cheapest cities to live in, but it's starting to be more like the city of Toronto. In Montreal and Vancouver, these three large cities in the province of Ontario are the most expensive places to live. So houses in the city that, that I reside in, you know, generally, you know, they're seven hundred and fifty thousand and up. You know, people, you know, when, when people were, you know, the like so with the uh, so, uh, supply and demand is low. The owners of these homes, they can sit and wait for the best offers to come along. The other problem is when people start renewing their mortgages and they've paid 150,000 over asking or 200 over asking. Their mortgage rate, their, their mortgage payments are going to double. 
So if you're already spending, you know, let's say just for an example, the home was was uh, six hundred thousand, and you paid eight hundred thousand dollars for that home. Your mortgage was already close to maybe three thousand dollars a month, and now it's going to practically double. Then you lose your job. If you if you were the only single source of income coming into the household, you're in a lot of trouble. These these houses that sold from six hundred to eight hundred thousand dollars aren't worth eight hundred thousand dollars. Even the prices have come down. Even if that house dropped fifty thousand dollars, that's a loss for that buyer. And the unaffordability is a growing concern, right? Three things, the percentage of individuals or families that are in unaffordable rental situations, how household spending patterns have changed to make ends meet, and whether knowledge of rental economics impacts the likelihood of being in an affordable rental situation. So, in this forthcoming study, over 1,000 renters in North America in 2023 were examined household income, monthly expenditures, so your rent, your food, your transportation, clothing, travel, and the knowledge of the affordability and basic economics. Right? So the affordability understanding by asking participants if they understood the 30% expenditure rule through a series of questions and renters were self-identified and recruited via this prolific international survey panel by by comparing the annual income and rental expenditures of households in one in, in our sample results show that 63% of renters were in an unaffordable situation. This means nearly two thirds of Canadians and Americans are significantly rent burdened. Solution to rental crisis? Uh, it's not just about home ownership neither, but it also extends to the rental market. And given the lasting unaffordability as both social and the macroeconomical consequences, it's critical for the policymakers and the industry leaders to seek long-term fixes. So how are they going to do this? When I see new builds going up, They're not affordable rental units. There are brand new builds that are going up not very far from where I live in the city. There's going to be high rises. There's going to be single dwellings. They're going to be townhomes. They said it's going to add another nine nine streets to the city and that property was bought up by um, prominent um, corporate builders and they are not going to be affordable housing or affordable rentals So the crown corporations and the government investments, such as Canada's infrastructure bank of 150 million investment in sustainable affordable housing, need to be more common. Okay, well, what's affordable? We all don't make the same wage, obviously. So is it affordable for just the middle class and the upper class? When the upper class is going to buy a home, middle class, well, okay. 
Are they going to be still be able to maybe buy a home? I mean, the interest rates are, aren't coming down anytime soon. So are we just working for the common middle class people, you know, so what's, what's, what's middle class, you know, is it making, um, 50,000, 50,000 a year or more, you know, how, how do we, how do we, you know, how do we, um, define middle class? Middle class income. Now, and who are they? Right. So the middle class refers to a class of people in the middle of a of social hierarchy often find this as occupation, income, education, and social status. Who are they? A middle-class income in Canada can be defined as an after-tax personal income between 53,000 and 106,000 annually. A middle-class income is anything that's between 75% to 200% of the medium household income after tax. So if you're making 53,000 after tax or 106,000 after tax, that's middle class. So middle-class people such as doctors, lawyers, and teachers who have good jobs and are not poor, but are not very rich. Those are the middle class people. Are you making sixty thousand? Sixty thousand or more a year. But what about the but what about the rest of us? <clears throat> what about the people who are on a disability? We don't have enough social housing and we haven't built social housing, more social housing since the eighties. Wait list for social housing is seven plus years. People don't have seven plus years. Any social housing that requires, um, you know, uh, accessibility, or, you know, for people who have a disability, that's anywhere from 10 to 12 years wait list. Gear the income housing, not just social housing, but gear the in income housing, you know, is at least seven to eight years wait list. People making $17 an hour, $20 an hour. It's just, it's, it's not sustainable. I was thinking the other day that, you know, here in Canada, we, we should have a, a standard living, a standard income or standard wage Let's just take away the minimum wage. I have a standard wage across the country. Starting $25 an hour. Right across the board. I think there's something that we should have done this years ago, but we never did. By doing that, my opinion is that we would lift more people out of poverty. I 
I'm not saying that, you know, people, you know, people who live in social housing, people who are on welfare um, are lazy. I'm not saying that. There are people who are on welfare who are waiting to get on a disability. But there are people who are on welfare who are, are, are able, willing, healthy people. They have children, because you have to have children, not generally, but, you know, you, you, you have children and you're living in, in social housing. Daycare is expensive. If they're not school-aged children, then you have to be able to find somebody who is responsible enough to, to look after your child to go to work. I think we need I think we need better programs in order to help these individuals because I'm sure you know they want to work, but they find themselves in, in this in this predicament. And it may only, you know, what's holding them back maybe is because they didn't get the grade 12. Maybe they need a few credits to get the grade 12. Well, well, we do have adult education where they're able to do this. But what I've seen over the years, that that people, you know, they, they have children, you know, teenage pregnancy or, or, or maybe earlier in, in their, in their, in their twenties, they have children. They're in a bad situation, bad relationship. They got to get out. They get into, they get into housing. And then just have more children. Keep having kids. They don't get out of this vicious circle. They stay there. There are programs to help. But you have to want that help. You want to. You want to be able to want to change your situation. We have, you know, not just a shortage of workers in, in the transportation, but over, overall, I mean, we, you know. Uh, for trades, you know, for for um, builders and plumbers and electricians, you know, and so on, you know, we're facing a huge deficit. And they want to upgrade, you know, our high schools, bring them up to up to standards on the trades industry getting these students learning these trades. I mean, there's nothing wrong with going to college and university and, and go on to be doctors and, and lawyers and, and whatever the case may be, but we still need people to start filling these, these jobs. So why not take people who want to change careers or people who are on on, on welfare, who are healthy, able, and willing, and capable of working, have more government initiative, more government programs to help them. Start getting into these trades and do the training. And in the long run, in the economical long run, not just money spent on the government, it's an investment made into a sustainable work, a sustainable income. 
and a stable income and level that you're able to afford to live. Now, the knowledge of rental affordability link, one of the most interesting relationships they found in this data was related to affordability knowledge or the ex ex expertise tenants have and to use and to make this economical rental housing choice. So as affordability knowledge increased, the likelihood of being in an, in an unaffordable rental accommodation decreased, right? So you understand that, okay, this is what I have. This is what I make on a yearly basis. It can't be more than 30%, right? So they, so they, they, so that rental accommodation is a, a decrease. So the data suggests that the more people know about rental affordability, the better they can make informed rental decisions. But this is noteworthy as the most recent emphasis has been on how governments, developers, and landlords can make housing more affordable. Now, what's happened also, too, is that, you know, uh, even the older buildings, you know, buildings that were built before 2018 and going back decades, um, those buildings get resold. So what's happening, um, and, and this is another location not far from where I reside in the city, corporation in, in Toronto buys these two buildings in the city of London and they're trying to evict the tenants using the rental eviction and these people are um, are generally older um, they are on fixed incomes like uh, like disability So those rents there, I mean, they're generally paying, you know, $600 a month, maybe $650 a month. And they have been for, for years. No, these new buyers want them out. So they can rental evict them, do the renovations, and move new people in and double and triple the rent. It's not as simple as giving somebody a notification for a rental eviction and say you have to be out. If you receive one of those rental eviction notices, you do not have to move out. Even if it says you have to move out by this date, you do not have to move out. The landlord still has to go through the landlord's tenants board. He or he he or she may not get, you know, be approved for it. Other means landlords are, are using is is giving you a notice that a relative is now going to be moving into that unit which they can do but then they still have to go through the landlord's tenants board and what's happening is a relative is not moving into that unit you know if you were paying 750 dollars a month for a one bedroom do you think they're going to have their relative move in there and pay 750 dollars a month no the whole reason why they're saying they want a relative to move in there is to get you out so they get somebody else in there not a relative so they can double the rent 
that's the same thing as going with with the rental evictions that the tactics that these landlords are using so in all the areas of spending so on all your household things that you need you know not, not just your rent you know and, and your food and your clothing maybe you don't have health benefits at work and you have to pay for your prescriptions too which by the way isn't very cheap right so making so making these budget cuts on everything from groceries to physical activities and short sprints these spendings reallocations can be justified and even credited in the in the fiscal responsibility so I mean, a lot of people, I mean, are, are cutting back, you know, on, on what they can afford, you know, especially at the grocery stores today. So what's going to be so so where where do we go? Where 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 do we go to next? Right, a straightforward path to rental affordability in Canada and the United States relates to increasing supply, such as increasing new rental stock, a, a holistic approach that includes educating renters on affordability and basic housing economics can be beneficial. Okay, so we're gonna build, build new rental stock. Okay, so then the government has to, so then the government has to say, so the provincial government would then would have to say, the, the new rental stocks, you know, again, we, we go back to what's affordability? Okay, it can't be more than 30% of your income. So we build this new rental stock. What are we building? Are we building units that are that are one bedrooms that are sixteen hundred dollars a month to eighteen hundred dollars a month, depending on the layout or what you want? Two bedroom units going up to up to twenty two to twenty four hundred dollars a month. Where does the thirty percent factor come in? And for who? Does it mean that with the new rental stock that, you know, then we say, okay, um, we got a, a, a 10 story building and out of those units, um, eight of those units have to be below market rent. Okay. So it was $1,600 for, for a one bedroom, for an example. Okay. So now, you know, eight of those units have to be below market rent. So whether it be a thousand dollars a month, eight hundred dollars a month, we're still going to be looking at thirty percent of your gross income of what you can afford to pay. You they can build all the buildings they want. But at, at, at whose expense? The renter's expense? Is it going to be 30%? Is it only going to be 30% of whose income? Somebody making $60,000 a year, $80,000 a year. People making under $30,000 a year or, 20, or under $25,000 a year. Well, then what, what's affordability? So addressing the rent affordability crisis requires effect, effective civic policies, policies and planning, as well as private sector investment and participation and to assure long-term sustainable housing. Well, the investment in, in, in that uh, participation, that isn't going to happen. 
That's my opinion because they're not going to build. They're not going to build to lose money. Now, here, bring this up here for a second. I had, um, oh, that can't be. No, that's not it. Clicking on the wrong thing here. Now I had it. Um, I had it clicked off here earlier. I don't know why it's not, uh, I guess when you close something, I don't know, maybe close something off and then it goes away, but. Um, where did it go here? Okay, so the, the so the, um, when it comes, so when it comes to the groceries, you know, Canadians to pay even more for groceries as the industry wide, wide price freeze ends. So. The Canadian grocery industry engages in something known as the blackout period. During this time, prices for Pacific national and private brand products are, are frozen. So during this period, suppliers demand more money for products to keep up with inflation, global supply chain issues, energy costs, international conflicts. When the price freeze ends, the backlog of price uh, increase requests by suppliers catches up. So they just start increasing to what they think the grocery should cost today. Now they're, they're saying that, um, people can, uh, can expect to pay, you know, at least, at least on average, they're going to spend another thousand dollars a year on groceries that's crazy now how does this blackout period impact consumers consumers end up being hit by higher food prices before and after this period the one thing that you want to target when you look at food inflation is price fluctuation. And that will impact fresh products, products that are arguably healthier for consumers. If there are, if, if they see there are higher prices, they walk away from that category and will actually venture off to buy less healthy products. Uh, all that ultra processed foods, right? So if you go to the meat counter and see cuts of beef that are too expensive, chances are you're not going to go back to that meat counter for several months because you're going to believe that these cuts are too expensive for you. That's why price um, volatility is so damaging and the blackout period itself actually fosters the market conditions, right? It's hurting consumers and they're being pushed to the center of the store where products are not as fresh. They're not high quality and the consumers are probably forced to make nutritional compromises. And that goes without saying.
I mean, is it cheaper for people to go to Costco and, and buy bulk? How long is that? How long does that last you? Today, I mean, packaging. I mean, it's it's getting smaller, charging more money. You know, just like that article says, we see it from time and time again. People, you know, they will go into the grocery stores. And like they said, they, you know, last week you, you want to go buy some pork chops and chicken. And it's too expensive. And now you're going to have to go to the frozen sections of, you know, get your chicken fingers and all over like that, you know, that it only has 80% protein, you know, in this meat product that is just processed. I mean, ultra processed, you know, instantly frozen. It's not, you know, it's not getting, it's not getting better for a lot of people. And, you know, as far as I'm concerned, you know, with the federal government and its housing policies and the provincial government and its housing policies and the municipal, um, you know, for the municipalities, I mean, they have to go to the provincial government for funding. And, you know, this is, you know, all our tax dollars paid you know, um, again, what, what, when they, when they talk about affordability, who are they talking about? I mean, if the city wants to build social housing, well, they have to have the money for it. It's got to come from somewhere, not just tax, like from our taxpayers, but it has to come from the, the, the provincial government, which you know, from, from their taxes and, and also from the federal government because we pay federal, provincial, municipal taxes. So they need this money, the cities need this money to build social housing. The Premier of Ontario Doug Ford wants to build 1.5 million homes over a 10-year period of time. Is, is that going to help with the su supply and demand? Is that going to help with affordability? Is that going is, is to help um, To, you know, stockpile these houses, is that going to drive the cost of housing down? I don't think it's going to. They're not going to be able to build these homes cheap enough because you're not going to find a house today ever again. Ever again. Under 500000 So what are these houses, these 1.5 million homes that the, the, the premier wants to build? What are going to be the cost of these homes? Where are they going to build them? One point five, one point five, one and a half, one and a half million homes. I mean, that's not even going to, you know, for for affordability and you know, for for people to buy. I mean, in, in ten years, you know, so that's a, that's just like saying the population isn't going to, going to increase in ten years. 
you know, yeah, we're not, we're not uh, uh, here in Canada. I mean, the population here in Canada, you know, is 40 million people, you know, you, you look at the United States. I mean, that's the United States is 10 times, almost 10 times that. And just in the last two years, we, we, we went up 2 million people from 38 million to 40 million in two years. What's it going to do in 10 years? Are we going to be able to build enough to sustain the, the population growth? And what's going to be again, and we can, and we just keep going back to those same question, what is going to be affordable? What does it even, what is it, what today, what does affordability even mean? Because a lot of things are, are not affordable and not affordable for a lot of people. Can we drive the cost down to groceries? What's causing it? What's causing the rise? That's something that we should be talking about on another show. Because I have to do research. Got to find out why. Why has everything gone up so much? Today is Sunday. Obviously, I don't work tomorrow. And like I said earlier, before other people come on the show, and I appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, here in Ontario, um, it's a provincial holiday. It's family day. Um, federal workers, because it's not a federal holiday, it's not a stat holiday. Generally, they will be working anything provincial, um, we have the day off. Even though I work in the transportation industry, which is federal, federally regulated, the company that I work for is giving us the day off tomorrow in lieu of the reconciliation day that takes place in September of every year. And that's to do with the residential schools and colonialism uh, on, on the indigenous people. That is a federal day off. And I asked about that when it, when it, when it first started. And so the employer said, okay, well, how about we give you family day off, a paid day off. in lieu of that reconciliation day. And we said, fine. So tomorrow I have off and tomorrow I will do a morning show and I'll spend some time today to figure out why and do some research, figure out why we have such a high cost of, of, of food and what's driving it. So if you can join me tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, that's great. If you can, I understand. Hope to see you here. And hopefully I can come up with some answers. And until then, enjoy the rest of your weekend. And everybody here in Ontario and other provinces who are, are, are doing this family day long weekend off, uh, enjoy your day off tomorrow. And yeah, so come out and join me tomorrow if you can. That'd be great. Until then, like I said, have a good weekend. Take care. Have a good week. Be safe out there. And thank you for joining me here on the Truckers Podcast, FYI. I'm your host, Doug, from Ontario, Canada. Take care. Mm -hmm.